Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got Mario, also known as the Node Defender, joining us. Andrew, a.k.a. the Cashflow King, is in the building. And we're going to have Johnny Crypto joining us later in the episode. So I'm very excited for today's show. Today in Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how digital adoption is already underway as the largest markets on the planet are now adopting crypto payments. We break down how Ripple, XRP, and many other mainstream tokens will be playing a major role. As tokenization is beginning to take the world by storm, Visa, JP Morgan, and BlackRock are all excited about this new product. We're going to be discussing how Visa was interacting using CBD. And with the most powerful financial firms on the planet turning to crypto as a new form of payment, we break down the details, showing our community how this next bull run is shaping up to be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcasts, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So I hope I was coming in clearly during that session, Mario. But I think the loopback is working this morning. And we already got 177 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Thank you for being here on this Thursday. I'm saying a lot. So first of all, how are you feeling, Mario? And thank you for being here. I'm feeling great, man. Good morning to everyone. Good morning, everybody out there in the chat, listening live, listening in the future. Good morning to Andrew and obviously you abs. You were coming in great, but then it did do the distortion. So I think we may have an issue with that software. All we're trying to do is just make the audio from the video sound better for everyone. Uh, but we'll have to explore maybe a different option. But let's see how it goes, abs. You're on mute, brother. You're on mute. You're on mute, abs. Oh, sorry about this, guys. See, this is the problem when you add the new technology. Us boomers, I guess Johnny Boom's not here. I'll be the boomer this morning. But Andrew, I want to say, first of all, how are you feeling this morning? It's 68 degrees in Tampa. That is freezing. How is it in the Netherlands? Hi, good morning, good evening, good afternoon. It is uh, 4 p.m., 4.15 p.m. It is uh, 68 also here in the uh, Netherlands. It's stormy weather. It is terrible. It is coat orange, and they said... Please stay in, in your house and somewhat it's somewhat overdone, but uh, you know, um, it's great. Also, I was somewhat confused today with summertime and wintertime, daylight saving time, because in Netherlands or in, in Europe, we go the last weekend of October to the other hour. And in the US, you go in the first weekend of November. So it's it's great. But, you know, I'm looking forward to a great show and uh, we will we will figure it out how to make it work. 
Absolutely. And Node Army says we only like pre- professional presentations, sir. Absolutely, guys. That's what I'm going to be doing this morning. And we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by checking out the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates all throughout the day. When we check out some of the daily movers this morning, it is green bubbles across the board, Mario. We've got mana up 11%, ADA token up 6%, XRP up 1% on the daily, and pretty much the rest of the market up 5% across the board. When we check out our Merlin market this morning, this morning, we're at 1.29 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 52% dominant. Ethereum is about 17%. Mario, I think uh, my audio is coming in unclear. So I'm going to turn off the loopback protocol and kick it over to you. And then we'll get right into the show. Yeah, I was about to tell you that. It's better off just turning it off uh, because it's it's doing a lot of distortion. But yeah, the markets the markets are juicy. It's it's really nice to, to see that November started with a, more positive price action. Yesterday, we were up in the 35.7s. Um, XRP jumped up to like 62, 63 cents. Again, not a lot of action coming out of XRP, which leaves me thinking a little bit like cautiously. Like, are we, it, like, obviously, price manipulations happen all the time. And I just feel like XRP's price has to be heavily manipulated because it is the asset with the most amount of clarity in the United States right now, taking out Bitcoin. And I would have expected already for the price to to go up. Um, And I know that we need liquidity for the price to go up. But we have been seeing a lot of these other altcoins just have these run, you know, these these huge runs. We've got certain altcoins that are up like 50% over the last couple of weeks. So I was really hoping to see XRP kind of do the same thing or or have, you know, better gains. So I can't help but think that we're, we're under massive manipulation. And so that does leave me a little bit not worried, but just wary, uh, cautious. Um, I can't wait to see price appreciation for XRP. We've been so patient since, since, uh, you know, four years coming up to four years. So we deserve it. Mario, let me say this market manipulation works in two directions, right? Things go up and things go down. And what's exciting about that is you go through these extended periods of bearish market manipulation only every four years do we get that bullish manipulation. And I think that's what we're on the precipice of this morning. And you broke down the XRP price chart. I found these stats yesterday and I thought this was actually pretty interesting. So it feels like XRP is performing pretty poorly, Andrew. Everybody would say this is one of the altcoins that is lagging overall in the market. But look at this. We're up 2% on the daily, 10% on the weekly, 19% on the monthly, and 81% on the price chart year to date. So although it feels like these tokens are performing very slow, it's like Mario said, slow and steady wins the race. And I think that's what XRP is doing right now. So Andrew Castle, before we get into our content, what do you think about the market overall? Does XRP's price chart catch your attention? Yeah, yeah, XRP. It, it is a very nice. Uh, it is a very nice uh, asset, uh, XRP, because it, it it's volatile and you can do a lot of stuff with it. You know, we saw in uh, when was it in July when that lawsuit gave some positive uh, 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 feedback. We saw enormous price spike to uh, ninety three cents. Then it went down again till uh, now. Yeah, what was it around uh, forty five? And, uh, you know, and also on these price actions, you can do a lot of interesting stuff. And when you say that uh, that XRP is up 81% since the beginning of the year, I mean, is this a good asset or is it a good asset? However, it depends where you entered your money. And if you entered your money somewhere in, uh, now let's say, uh, May 2021, yeah, you, you need to wait a little bit more. So that's why you have yeah not only have an exit plan but you also need a strategy for an entry plan, you know. And that's what we uh, that that's what we teach in the 3T Academy. So I would say uh, join the academy and learn the the the, the strategies because that is your uh, yeah that will be your profit in the future. Well, yesterday Ripple released their an- or third quarter market report for the year of 2023, and we're going to go over that briefly later in the show. But we've got two really, really exciting videos to show you. The first one is talking about how Standard Charter is making instant payments a thing of the now. We're not talking about the future anymore. We are talking about it happening right now. But before we even get into that, let's talk about how Australia is already adopting Ripple and Stellar use cases helping the banking industry become instantaneous. And guys, we already got 300 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this Twitter account. Flip the chain on Twitter. This person puts out fantastic information. Make sure to go and check out their Twitter. But with that being said, guys, 
Here's the latest video out of Australia. In, in terms of part partnering with Ripple and Stella, I mean, they are two of the major networks. We've been able to work with them and, and be a major uh, partner of theirs in Australia. And I think that goes to uh, a lot of the success of Novati is that we can work with these global companies and, and bring through significant commercial deals. So how do you see this impact on your revenues? Um, Melissa, for the next year, at the least, we'll have revenues will be a number of the payments from Ripple and Stella for, for their grant programs that, that ameliorate uh, our tech build costs and some of our marketing costs. Uh, as we start to monetize later this year, then we'll start to get transaction fees from, from the stablecoin service as well. Let's talk about... In, in terms of part, partnering with Ripple and Stella, I mean, they are two of the major networks. We've been able to work with them and, and be a major uh, partner of theirs in Australia. And, that, and that's why I lay that clip twice, Andrew, that audio needed to come in clear. Ripple and Stella are major players in Australia, in the UK, the UAE, all over Asia. It seems like the United States is going to move last with this technology, but it doesn't matter because it's inevitable. And it's articles and videos like these that make it so obvious to us. Australia is just talking very simply here. Ripple and Stellar enhances their product. It's not a bias thing. It's not Ripple versus Ethereum. They look at the market and they say Ripple can do what it needs to do. And that's why we're going to use that product. But what do you take away from Ripple and Stellar being leveraged in Australia? And honestly, he talked about most of the liquidity coming in next year. Yeah, you know, this is this is fantastic news. And especially this guy, I mean, this guy looks very rational. He just says, you know, we will see what happens. We will integrate it in our network. We will do savings, uh, uh, cost savings with, uh, with, with, uh, with, with Ripple and, uh, and, and XLM, you know, Stellar. So I'm also pretty pleased that he is mentioning Stellar because we are not so often talking about Stellar, but we know Stellar is the, yeah, the little brother, more, more or less, from, uh, from, from XRP. And yeah, this Stellar coin also plays a, plays a major role here in international payments. And what you see now is yeah, that, uh, that Australia is also waking up. At least they are expressing it, what, the, what their plans are. So this, this, is, this is good news, and this will trigger uh, a utility of the coin and, and, and yeah, it will trigger a price action. Mario, we know 2024 is looking optimistic, not only for the price charts, but for the narratives as well. And it's these types of articles that we can point to when we're talking about utility coming into the market. This is an article that Ripple published in November of 26th of 2022. It stated, by 2024, at least 50% of the world's population is expected to use digital wallets for transactions. That's valued at over $9 trillion annually. Our white paper explores how central banks can utilize CBDCs to take advantage of this growth. Well, 2024 is only two months away. Time is flying in the matrix, as they say, Mario. So what do you take, take away from all this information? Australia, they're talking about leveraging this technology next year, while Ripple, they're hinting at the floodgates opening $9 trillion annually. Yep. Yeah, the time is flying. It's, it's uh, so true. So like... As we as we get to this stage in 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 the crypto oh. space in the blockchain space, we really start to see a lot of these different um, like use cases and and all the different the different utilities that that these cryptos and blockchains have been developing. And over the past few years, despite of the lawsuit, Ripple has continued to create new partnerships. They've continued to expand their 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 corridors, not just their corridors, but their products as well. With the acquisition of Medico, for example, uh, they've expanded. To that front as well so it's starting to get to a point where i believe we're going to start seeing uh news as far as utility and and real use case coming to us very soon um especially now that ripple has more clarity especially in the united states i would really like to see united states partnerships come come about and i have no doubt that money is going digital i have no doubt that uh, every type of asset class is eventually going to be tokenized and is going to be available on a digital form and available to be traded 24-7. Payments need to be available 24-7. They need to be fast. The only thing that, it, that that comes to mind, and we discussed it briefly with, with Quincy yesterday, is just whether these things are going to be available on the public side. So whether we're going to be able to invest in a token like XRP and then XRPL is still the underlying chain for all these different use cases. Because as we discussed yesterday, there are private blockchains or private technologies that would prevent us from being able to take advantage of an investment on the public side. 
Now I know that with XRPL, because of the on-demand on liquidity for cross-border payments, there is an advantage to us having a public blockchain. That's what makes the, uh, the, the, the liquidity so fluid and, and it makes it so that it's able to work that way. But the only thing that I really have in the back of my mind and I try to stay aware, uh, aware of is just that nothing is really preventing them from creating a technology that is private. And I really think that when it comes to governments, they will want something that is private. Uh, not so much public facing. Very interesting. I think there's going to be private and public aspects of these blockchains. And when we talk about interoperability, public blockchains are definitely the solution. But Quincy outlined a great uh, story yesterday where he talked about how they're both necessary. And I know Andrew has some comments. So before we move on, Andrew, I'm kicking it to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I compare it a little bit with, with the telecommunications. You know, when I used to, to make a telephone call from Netherlands to New York, it was $10, $10 per minute. And, and what you saw, there was a, a sort of yeah, governmental telecommunication operators, and they kept the price high. It was, uh, it was were switch networks. And then all of a sudden, what you saw was there came voice over IP. And it was around uh, uh, yeah, 1999, 2000. And then you get those, those calling cards that you could uh, make phone calls for almost for, for, for nothing. And, you know, uh, uh, 10, 10 cents per minute for, to call uh, worldwide. So what I will see if you compare this with, with, with blockchain private and blockchain public, I'm sure when governments will keep costs high and will, will implement protective mechanisms, I'm sure that the, 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 yeah, the public or the, the other companies will implement parallel networks, which are already there, which are public, uh, publicly available, and they will compete with each other. And I'm sure there will be uh, other uh, uh, applications available next to governmental and uh, uh, controlled networks that will give the, the public the, the, uh, the possibility to use those networks in a cheaper and less controlled way. And, I'm, and that's just my comparison with, uh, with the voice over IP that also totally disrupted the telecommunication landscape. And, and this will, the, the blockchain will also disrupt, and I'm sure government and big uh, big banks will try to uh, to to suppress the growth or to or at least to to keep their profits stable but the disruption is already there and it will continue and it just goes to show how early this market is andrew you're talking about something that seems very likely here but what's so interesting about the market is it's just controlled by bitcoin from a price action standpoint and i say that unironically right now because the best thing that can happen for all of cryptocurrency is we get some sort of a spot ETF product in the USA. And then we have companies like Fidelity, which we're going to show you an article later in the episode. A Fidelity executive is calling Bitcoin exponential gold. And it's these types of articles, I think, we're just going to see more and more of over the 2024 cycle. Our channel, we talk about fundamental utility, entering the crypto market and changing the game for retail investors. That's not what you're going to see on CNBC. You're going to see Bitcoin. You're going to see Ethereum. And you're going to see them bashing currencies like Dogecoin. You're not going to hear any of the real important conversations. But instead, Standard Charter right now is discussing how they won't be waiting five. You're not going to wait five minutes for a web page to load. But currently, you wait over three days for your payment to process. That's going to be a thing of the past. And they reference Ripple within this video. But guys, we already got 408 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And thank you for being here on this Thursday. Here's Standard Charter talking about the utility that Ripple provides. Well, we live in a days of instant gratification. You won't wait five seconds for a web page to load. Why would you wait three days for a payment to settle? So let's go real time. The world is moving real time, social payments and other forms of settlements. Well, we have had two, two use cases with Ripple. The first one was on trade finance, where we tried to solve the problem of duplicate invoice financing uh, under the code name TradeSafe, in which we collaborated with DBS and IDA, the Singapore sovereign. Um, the second use case is on cross-border payments. So uh, we want to make cross-border payments real-time, instantaneous, with full transparency. So these are the two use cases we are working on. I mean, come on, Andrew Cashflow. If they're not giving you the playbook, I don't know what you're waiting for. But this is what's so exciting is that people talk about the U.S. annexing this technology. It's being adopted overseas, which means better technologies are emerging on a global landscape. And the United States is going to do one of two things, lose their dominance or adopt and start using this technology. So what do you take away from this video? We'll kick it to Mario. Um, apps, 
listen, if you have a network, you know, I, and I'm, I'm an engineer, software techie, a network needs at least two points. Yeah, so, so a, a beginning point and an end point or the beginning point and an end point. So if you want to send something internationally, at least it starts in the US, and for example, it goes to Australia or the other way around. So you need, yeah, you need two to tango. And if they are talking about international payments and if they are developing that, yeah, you know, that means they are implementing the technology already now. And what you said is true. They talk about in, in, the, in the media about uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum and blah, blah, blah. You know, but, but where is the major utility and, and the major use case that is at this moment the international payments because it takes too long and it is way too expensive and even not approachable for a lot of people. So this will be disrupted. Will it will it be in 2024? Maybe, maybe. But uh, I think if we will be a lot, uh, there will be a, a big progress made by the end uh, in, in, in 12 months from now. And Mario, clearly they're working through the trial phase of this technology, but we just showed a video at the beginning of the show. Implementation is coming in Australia in 2024. And like we've been stating, these are global markets. So when these technologies emerge overseas, whether it's Asia, the UAE, Australia, competitors are watching and saying, oh my goodness, we're going to have to deal with instant payments. So what was your reaction to that video? And what did you take away from the Ripple use cases? Yeah, I, th I think that that video just, it really confirms everything that we've been discussing, everything we've been talking about. And as I said before, we need payments to be available 24-7. We need them to be fast. Uh, and as you mentioned in the video, instant gratification. That's how we as humans are operating right now. If we want something, we want to get it now. We order something from Amazon. Amazon's got that same day delivery option to instantly gratify us for, for our order. So payments and the financial system have to catch up to it. Right now, we can't trade the stock market 24-7. It's open from, from a certain time to a certain time and only days of the week and closed on holidays. That has to change, in my opinion. Crypto is a space that's open 24-7. You can trade it on Christmas Day. You can trade it Thanksgiving while you're eating turkey with your family. So I think that everything else has to catch up to it, especially as we move towards this global economy and everything becomes globally connected. We need payments. I need to be able to send money to my grandma in Portugal, and it needs to arrive within within a few minutes so she can go and spend it on whatever she needs. And I think that that's the barrier that we're facing right now. And the only reason why I think that there's a barrier is because of all the institutions and the back end people that are involved, the people that have that um, influence, you know, the JP Morgans and all that. I believe that things are happening behind the scenes so that the people in control can remain in control and that they're not pushed out of the picture. And I think that there will come a time where a solution is going to be introduced. I really hope XRP and Ripple have something to do with it. Um, XLM as well, for that matter, uh, as I'm also invested in XLM. Um, but I think that we are coming to a very interesting time, especially because now we have confirmation from BlackRock, Fidelity, and all these big big players in the market that want a chunk of, 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 uh, of Bitcoin. And it starts with Bitcoin. We know it always starts with Bitcoin. And eventually... It comes to the other cryptos too. Spot on, Mario. I love that little speech you gave. We got 427 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. You make a bunch of great points, but let's focus on a couple of things that Mario just said. First of all, Visa is already testing tokenized deposits for Hong Kong's central bank digital currency with HSBC. And the thing that's interesting about this collaboration here, guys, is we know that HSBC has referenced Ripple and XRP's technology in the past. And we can dive into that right now. But what I wanted to focus on really briefly is how quickly things can change for the crypto market. And check this out, Mario. Back in 2010, Bitcoin celebrated reaching $1 million in total market cap. Here we are 13, later, 13 years later, sitting at $690 billion. That is 69 million percent growth, meaning every dollar you invested, you made $6.9 million on in 13 years. You want to talk about generational wealth. That is how it's made, my friend. But Andrew Cashlow, I'm kicking it to you and then Mario. Some brief comments on Bitcoin. <laughs> Bitcoin. You know, uh, it, it is very funny to see this, but how many people were able to invest in Bitcoin in 2010? Almost nobody. You know, there were those Bitcoin uh, meetups in New York, I know, and, and people were exchanging their, their wallet key phrases 
to to each other and then it was all uh, a lot of frauds and, and we saw a lot of uh, uh, other bad stuff happening and you know there was hardly youtube there was hardly there were there, there were no wallets there was nothing so you know it's a nice comparison but what i like to see is this is all history what should you do now at this moment because and but if you see this space and actually bitcoin compared to the world economy and, and for, or for example to gold it is just small it is it is still small it will go uh yeah you know some people say it will go to a million it will not go to a million in this next boring but will it go to a million i think so but it can people don't underestimate it it will take you another i think 12 to still 16 years at least so divide your your portion of your bitcoins trade a little bit with it if you like it but also make a portion hold it forever hold it for your children and for your grandchildren you know and it will be just like be a piece of land on uh in uh, in new york and uh, manhattan you know uh, it will be a lot of a lot of value in in the in the near future or in the near future in the far future but for now enjoy enjoy the ride which which it will make in the in in the near future and uh, yeah of course the, the the comparison with 2010 yeah i wish i would have had the knowledge which i have now and then i would indeed i would have invested maybe 100 dollars in bitcoin in that time keep <laughs> in mind would've... if you invested a hundred dollars in bitcoin back in 2010 and remember million dollars in market cap means there was only a million dollars worth of people invested in the product so not a lot of people had this opportunity but if you had a hundred dollars in at that time you would have made nearly 70 million dollars off a hundred dollar investment in only 13 years so that's pretty crazy mario first of all the question that i have for you is do you think like products like this or opportunities like this exist in the market today one that comes to mind really unbiasedly is quant because it has such a low yeah. circulating supply it's only a billion in total market cap if any of these projects that are at let's say a billion dollars in total market cap can reach 500 to 700 million we're talking generational wealth so I want to kick it to you and then we'll move on to some more serious content. Yeah, look, I think that opportunities, there's always opportunities. Now, the size of that opportunity, that's the part that, especially something like this. I mean, who would have thought that, you know, 13 years ago you would buy Bitcoin and that it would be what it is today? Now, the part that gets me really excited is that we got here where we are today through a lot of uncertainty, um, you know, name calling for the space saying that it's used for nefarious activities, lack of clarity. Imagine what's going to happen once that's no longer in the picture. Once BlackRock officially has a, sp a spot Bitcoin ETF, they're offering it to, to their clients and, and, and you know all the other institutions for that matter. Once all the banks are offering custody services, once there's real, real utility for, for Ethereum, there's real utility for XRP and the XRPL. Imagine what that's going to do being that everybody pretty pretty much everybody has one of these in their pockets and has access to being able to buy crypto and and take and get exposure in the space remember over the last few years the access to cryptocurrency wasn't necessarily an easy process it it used to be very difficult coinbase came about and all these other exchanges and they made it more simple but you still had to deal with the uncertainty and you still had to deal with the fact that it wasn't a clear or it wasn't a transparent or, or like a, a, a go-ahead space for you to invest in. You were taking a lot of chances and, and risks by investing in crypto. Once all of that gets taken out of the picture, once crypto is available to everyone who has a cell phone, that's really the part that gets me excited because I could just start to see that all the trillions come into the space. Once you put in all the user, all the users, um, with all the utility, all the use cases, all this stuff that we've been researching, NFTs actually coming, becoming a real thing and, and real tangible investments. I mean, it's just, it's massive. Mario, you brought it up yourself. You started talking about NFTs. I have an Elon Musk video where he's criticizing NFTs for just being JPEGs on a blockchain. And I think it's so relevant to what Mario just said, because for the first time, we're going to start seeing companies like Apple, Microsoft, JetBlue, Amazon, whatever big company you can think of, 
not only tokenizing assets, but offering NFTs to receive unique opportunities within their company. And Elon Musk clearly knows that as well. But we got 457 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I think this would be a good place to start. This is 20 seconds of, um, of Elon Musk discussing his disbelief in NFTs. And just give me one moment here, guys, because I'm going to switch it over to the better audio, a.k.a. known as the Loopback Protocol. Here we go. Um, but I mean, NFTs, the funny thing is that the NFT is not even on the blockchain. It's just a URL to the, to the, the JPEG. So it's not even like, it's like you should at least encode the JPEG in the blockchain. Cause like if the URL, if the company housing the image goes out of business, you don't have the image anymore. I, um, but I mean, NFT is the funny. So he makes a great point. And obviously we're going to talk about really real utility for NFTs, but the fact that tokenized JPEGs were trading for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Did you guys see some of the some of the products that were being sold as NFTs? It's like that art deal. They say that rich people use art for money laundering. They're buying like just big yellow paintings that have no artistic talent whatsoever. That's $40, $50 million. The same thing was kind of happening with JPEGs where you would look at these products that there's nothing unique about them, no really art or, or special about the artist. And you're paying $5 million, $10 million, $20 million for a JPEG. It's unbelievable. But Mario, give me your thoughts and we'll get into some serious content about the tokenization with Visa. Yeah, I, look, it's all about evolution. And obviously, we witnessed a lot of a lot of NFTs in the previous run that were just purely scams. And, you know, Elon brings up a, a, a valid point as far as saying, you know, you buy something and then you go out of business. But that's just like anything else. I mean, you couldn't you could buy a product from a startup tech company. And it may not necessarily work out and they go out of business and all of a sudden you've got this product that no longer has a company behind it or, or you know, or a, uh, a sequence of support. So I think that the NFTs are pretty much the same thing. I mean, we're going to have obviously people, bad actors in the space. That's just like anything else. Um, but I think it's important that I, uh, for me personally, I believe that NFTs are here to stay and there will be an evolution into real utility the same way that we value uh, physical things like uh, like brands, for example, like Louis Vuitton and, and and Gucci and stuff. I believe that there is going to be valuable brands in the NFT space where people will be collecting these items, whether it's, uh, you know, Pokemon characters. I mean, the collectible the collectible space, the collectible economy is so huge. I just don't see why it can't be in a digital form. Everything to me just tells me that it has to be also in a digital form because I see how the kids operate. I see their behavior. They're on Roblox and all the time. And I just, I see this happening. And obviously it's not in the form as we witnessed in the last bull run. There has to be evolution. There has to be a maturity in the space. And I really believe that it will happen. And I really believe that the NFT space still has a lot to prove. You know, I, I, li um, I a little bit disagree with uh, Elon Musk in this, at this moment. Because he says, if you have an NFT, it is somewhere on a file storage, and then you can trade it. You can trade it on the blockchain. And he says, okay, if that company who has the file storage go bankrupt, then your NFT is also gone. You know what happens? There are uh, worldwide file storage systems. They are backed with each other. So that that is uh, that that is uh, uh, clear how to get it. Uh, correct and and if, if one server fails it's still available on the other server uh, you can make a digital footprint of that nft uh, electronic picture and then you can say okay it is mine but then you can ask yourself the question okay i have a, uh, a, a i have an image which has a digital footprint and i can say it's mine and i have the same image which which is just a copy of that and <clears throat> You know, and then you can say it's not mine, but I still can look at it. So, you know, I, I'm, I agree. It's a little bit weird, but uh, that, that it can just disappear. Yeah, sometimes, for example, an NFT of, uh, uh, of a special club and the whole club disappears. Yeah, then I can imagine that then there is no utility behind it anymore. So there is a lot to it, to NFTs, and it is not so black and white as, uh, as Elon says at this moment. It's interesting that they're even talking about it on a platform like this. I, the first thing I thought of when I saw that Elon Musk and Joe Rogan did a podcast together was, did they talk about crypto again? Because I wanted to know, with the market sentiment changing before our eyes, we're seeing big companies start talking about it. 
We know Elon Musk is going to be a huge marketing campaign for the crypto market in 2024, the same way he was during 2021. Anybody who was holding Dogecoin back during that original cycle or the 2021 cycle understands that when Elon Musk would talk about Dogecoin, he could tweet about it and it would rocket in price. It would go up four, five, 10% just based off Elon's Twitter. And then the day he went on to Saturday Night Live, we crashed from 71 cents to 48 cents in value during that time. So that just goes to show it works in both directions, right? Positive sentiment and negative sentiment. But Mario, this is an article I think a lot of our listeners will be interested in as a Fidelity executive is now calling Bitcoin exponential gold. Fidelity's director of global macro took to X to express his beliefs on Bitcoin. He described the digital asset as a commodity currency that aspires to be a store of value and a hedge against monetary debasement, a.k.a. the devaluing of, of fiat currencies. He's coining it as an exponential gold, and he said the distinction here is that it can actually function as a store of value as well as play a similar role that gold does in the new digital age. Now, there's a little bit of maximalist talk within this article. Obviously, he's comparing it to gold. He's talking about how it's it's got long-term utility. But the reality is that we're going to see a lot more of these articles come into the market as the market evolves into what it's becoming now. Big institutions are excited about this technology and a marketing campaign will quickly follow. So I'm going to start with Mario and then we'll kick it around the group. Yeah, 100%. Oh, actually. I just saw Johnny joined. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you said gold. I, was about to I say heard that. gold. I heard Sorry, gold. Johnny. I'm in. I'm hey, in. what's up, guys? Johnny, <laughs> do your introduction real quick. We'll continue. No, no, keep going. You got, I don't want to, we got a little time left. I'll just say good morning to everybody. And uh, I caught the end of it. I heard you say gold and boom, here I am. But yeah, let, let's hop in. Let Mario comment and I'll jump in uh, afterwards because I didn't catch the beginning of it. Yeah, 100%. Good morning, Johnny. Good to see you, man. But, uh, hundred percent. Look, we're we're witnessing this narrative switch uh, uh, take place. Like they they went from bashing on Bitcoin and saying that it was only used for for basically bad activities to now saying that it's it's the next best thing after gold and being compared to gold. And and so I think it's important for us to see this as where the space is going. And the space is going basically towards Bitcoin becoming this digital version of gold or this. Uh, investment this digital investment that you can make that's going to be safe and as um what's the term i'm looking for like the uh, as gold is our um anyway i'll continue uh, I, they the term. Call it original money gold's the only real money is that kind of what you were going for right exactly right it was a hedge against inflation that kind of a thing um and so as i see this narrative take place that's that. That's what I mean when I said before that this is what gets me excited is because I know that they're doing this for a reason. And while we had a space that still was able to do what it did with so much turmoil and so much negativity and basically crypto was known as the worst thing you could ever invest in. Now, as this start to starts to 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 change and the narrative starts to change and they start to paint a better picture around crypto and maybe they even start calling it digital assets instead of crypto then that's what really gets me excited is because I know people are going to come flooding in and we have to pay attention to these people that were in the last bull run talking so much about crypto. And for example, Elon Musk talking about Dogecoin. Why did he stop talking about it? You know, did he all of a sudden not believe it in anymore? I mean, he seemed to believe it during the bull run. Now that we're in the bear market, he's no longer talking about it. If he really wants to help people, he should be talking about it now because now is the real opportunity to get in. But we know that that's not the reason why they talk about it. But at the same time, what I wanted to say with all that is as we start to see all these big influential people talk about crypto again, maybe that's the time we need to start paying attention and use Merlin to make an exit. Johnny Crypto, I guess that floor is yours. Mario, I don't know what that was. That was a cheap plug, I guess, guys. And we got 464 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And before I kick it over to Johnny, this is something we highlighted a little bit earlier in the show. So XRP, it's up 2% on the daily, 10% on the weekly, 19% on the monthly, but 81% year-to-date growth. And people talk about this being an underperforming asset in the crypto market, but it's stats like this that show, Johnny, slow and steady wins the race. And although XRP moves parabolically, when you really zoom out, we're trending in the right direction. And so really briefly, before we get into some new content, this is something that I was showing earlier in the show as well, is that by 2024, at least 50% of the world's population is expected to use digital wallets for transactions valued at over $9 trillion annually. 
This was an article published by Ripple in November of 2022. And with 2024 being only two months away, I think it's more relevant than ever. What do you take away from this information before we dive into some new content, Johnny? Um, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty aggressive number. I'm not so sure it's going to be that high. When, whenever you make projections, you're usually always wrong. Um, but they're good and exciting to put out there, right? So the, the end of the day, though, Abs, I like, you know, we are seeing XRP trending in a very, very strong direction. If you look at the chart and you talk to all the charting experts, you know, they will tell you that it is a, it, it looks like a very strong chart. It is rebounded um, and it is now geared up to run. That bad boy is going to run. Um, so it, 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 it has what they, what they call a reversal. It's done a really strong reversal pattern. And so I think you're going to see, you know, that I've been saying this for a while. I really think it's geared up for a nice run. It's set up nice. The monkey's off their back. And now we just wait for the, now we need liquidity. We need real money to come in. I'm not talking about the 1.2 trillion that's already here and just moving around. That's why you're not seeing this thing go. Yeah, that's, that's forming a nice cup and handle. But what I'm talking about is when the real money, when that next round of liquidity, another trillion dollars or so comes into the crypto space, boy, I think Ripple, or I should say, I think XRP is really going to be primed to, to really run. So and I think that's what everybody's getting excited about, Abs. And you say it's underperforming. That's because everybody wants it to hit the all-time high. Everybody wants a 10X. People want 589. And you're not getting those kind of numbers. But listen, we get three, five, ten dollars $10 in the next bull run. I ain't going to complain because, you know, we showed the adoption chart yesterday in the speculative curves yesterday. If you haven't seen the show, check it out. I mean, you're going to get those runs up and then they're going to come down and then you're going to go, you know, through the adoption and then it's going to go up again many, many years later. So why not just be happy and take profits when profits are there? That's what I'm doing. Spot on. And we actually heard from Waters Above earlier this month about how bullish 2024 is looking. When you look at astrology, when you look at numerology, when you look at the price charts and even just the price action in and of itself, 2024 is set to be a great year for XRP, and we have 470 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, oh, I got the loopback protocol set up this morning, so audio should be coming in clear. But what I got to do is I got to flip it before the video, and that's what I'm doing now. So guys, here's Waters Above talking about how April of 2024, we could see something historic for XRP. Regard this cycle, and I think that that hurts a lot of specifically people that are into XRP. So with the way I teach I always go back to this particular chart to, to be more helpful because it was a full cycle for, for XRP technically. We're looking at um, 14, 1,400 days. So that's four years, right? That is the four-year cycle that it had. And then it had this kind of double pump, which I do kind of feel is possible again. It won't be as dramatic as this. and won't be as much gains, but absolutely in the cards. And the timing of it, I think, will actually be similar, too. So you can mark my words on this. I think March into April of 2024 will be when we go, when when the rocket ship takes off. I think from that point forward, he's estimating that we're going to break a dollar ninety and enter uncharted territory right as this market's turning bullish. And what I want to point it before I kick it around the group is a Bitcoin ETF will be one of two things at that point. Approve, approve or right about to be approved. And I think if you zoom out to April of 2024, it's almost guaranteed we're going to have some sort of a product in the USA. But Johnny, before we move on, tell me your thoughts. We'll kick it to Andrew. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's hard to argue with with waters above. I'm not going to. I, I kind of agree that something good is going to happen with XRP in 2024. I really do. If it doesn't happen, then <laughs> we're really in trouble. But I think something good will happen. There. And I also have been saying consistently on this show that I think it's going to be all you know, think of all the, the catalysts coming next year. You've got a Bitcoin ETF approval that I I personally think will happen in first quarter of next year. Maybe not. And maybe it'll happen sooner and surprise us all. But I, I think that then you've got the having then you've got the Fed that's going to, you know, that said they were going to start pulling back rates next year. So that's going to help loosen up some liquidity. And then you had Larry Fake saying that there's a trillion dollars of liquidity out there coming in. I mean, that's a lot of catalysts that, that I'm excited about for 2024 because i know the only way markets can go up is more money has to come in if money doesn't come in then it's just the same money moving around 
and and none of it is sustainable. Those pumps will go up and they'll come back down as the money moves in and out of different things. So Johnny, I'm just hearing about this from the live chat literally right now. We just got some breaking news out of Dubai. So I'm going to read this live. I have not gone through this article, but this seems to be very relevant. The DIFC out of Dubai champions Dubai as a global crypto hub with approval of XRP under its virtual assets regime. I haven't gotten a chance to go through this article. So I don't know. I mean, I don't want to read through this whole thing live. Why don't you give me a couple minutes and then we'll pull this up at the end of the show because I think we're definitely going to have to go through that. But it's interesting. We've talked about this throughout the program, Johnny. I'm going to show one more video and then I'm going to kick it to Mario and Andrew around the group. We're seeing the adoption of these assets happen right now. And it's not just XRP. It's Ethereum. It's Stellar. It's HBAR. It's Algorand. And it's videos like these that only point to the adoption of that technology. Mario, I'm going to play for 15 seconds of this and jump right in with Ripple and Stellar. I mean, in, in terms of part, partnering with Ripple and Stellar, I mean, they are two of the major networks. We've been able to work with them and, and be a major uh, partner of theirs in Australia. And I think that goes to uh, a lot of the success of Novati is that we can work with these global companies and, and bring through significant commercial deals. So how do you see this impact on your revenues? Uh, Melissa, for the next year, at the least, we'll have revenues will be a number of the payments from Ripple and Stella for, for their grant programs that, that ameliorate uh, our tech build costs and some of our marketing costs. Uh, as we start to monetize later this year, then we'll start to get transaction fees from, from the stablecoin service as well. 2024 is going to be a very exciting year, Mario. Floor is yours. Absolutely, Abs. I mean, like Johnny was saying just before, the amount of catalysts that we have happening in 2024, I mean, we would need something tremendously black swan-like for things to not play out the way they're supposed to be. And even though, let's look back at 2020, we had a huge black swan event and things were terrible. I mean, we went through one of the worst phases humanity, our humanity has ever had to go through as far as, you know, what, what we, what we experienced, but, um, and we still experienced that bull run. So until things played, play differently i can't help but think that we're we're going to repeat the cycle we're going to go through the same thing and videos like this are going to become even more um uh they're going to be happening even even more because we will start to see utility and more use cases around the space especially as crypto starts to become the main talk of congress and we get positive uh regulation or we get regulation that allows for the space to to even exist because right now in the US, crypto struggles to exist. They have to go and seek it somewhere else. But um, yeah, positive news out of Dubai. I'm interested to see what's what's the deal there. But Dubai also seems to be this really friendly uh, uh, country. They're pro-crypto. We know that a lot of companies choose to incorporate in Dubai and they've been a very positive hub. I'm, I'm interested to see what, what that uh, Ripple and, and XRP news is about. Johnny Crypto, cover me here, my friend. Yeah, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, not only, are, you know, you're talking about adoption here. There was, I just saw an article yesterday. Uh, Singapore also, a bank in Singapore, re you know, reporting two use case trials they did with the Ripple technology. I mean, abs, we're just going to continue to hear more and more use cases and adoptions and trials going on. We're in the beginning of it. So it's going to be exciting times. Now, remember. They're not all going to pan out. That's the thing I caution everybody as you think about when you're hearing these stories. Just remember, you're hearing a story. It's purposely put out there to get you excited, to pump things up. And that's okay, um, you know, because part of that is that's going to drive the speculative nature of this market that we're in. And you, But you need to know that. You need to understand that that's what it is. And, and, and have an exit plan. Again, not a cheap plug here. I don't care what you use. Just make sure you got a plan to get out so that you know that when these markets go up, you know, in this for, in this early building stage where we're still somewhat speculative, they're not always sustainable. And then the real gains come many, many, many years later. So, uh, but there's opportunities to profit along the way many times. And that's what we're trying to do here. But yeah, so I don't know if you had a chance to go through this article yet, Abs. It looks like you did. I absolutely did, guys. We got 471 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. This is the breaking news out of Dubai. As the DIFC champions Dubai as a global crypto hub with approval of XRP under its virtual assets regime. This is really exciting news as licensed firms can now incorporate XRP 
into their virtual asset services. Ripple, the leading enterprise and blockchain crypto solutions company, today announced that Dubai's Financial Services Authority has approved the digital asset XRP for use within the Dubai International wow. Financial Center. Wow. Licensed virtual asset firms within the DIFC will now able to incorporate XRP into their virtual asset services. XRP is the first virtual asset to be approved by the regime, and XRP now stands to benefit from legal and regulatory clarity in the DIFC. And it will be available for use by institutions located in the DIFC to accelerate faster, more efficient global value exchange. And we're talking about price action being the last thing that moves. It's these articles that really stand out, Johnny. I want to reiterate this one more time. XRP is the first virtual asset to be approved by the regime. And this means that licensed firms can now interact with XRP enhancing their virtual asset services. Floor is yours, Johnny. We'll go to Andrew. I mean, you know, <clears throat> that's huge because a lot of these financial service companies within these countries, you know, have to follow certain rules and regulations and you have to have approval to be able to use this stuff. Now, I don't know if this is similar to an SEC approval, but it certainly is giving the blessing that those financial institutions can leverage now the XRP technology. It's huge apps. I mean, it's big news. It's, it's in the front. It's basically saying, hey, they're open for business. You can use this now. It's safe to use. So now the question we need to see is what kind of usage leverage comes out of that? Because all this means is it's stamped for approval, right? This isn't saying anybody's using it. Now we need to see, at least you know, from a methodical perspective of what this looks I'd be curious to see how many banks are within this system or, or financial systems that could, that, you know, can use that's it. Why we're, that's why we're a dynamic duo, because I got the answer to that exact question. Approximately 20% of Ripple's customers are based in the MENA region. That's where the DIFC is giving approval to these institutions. So think about that. 20% of Ripple's companies, sorry, customers now just got access to these technologies. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, again. Also, keep in mind that on November 8th and November 9th, which is a week away from today, Ripple is hosting their annual Swell event where hundreds of voices are going to be heard from the crypto technology space. And specifically, we talked about it yesterday, MasterCard and Ripple are collaborating to create borderless payments. So that's going to be another announcement coming in the next few weeks. And I'm don't be surprised, Abs, if you actually see the price of XRP continue to rise up into the Swell event. Right. Because, again, this is always the buy the rumor, sell the news. I wouldn't be surprised if we see for the next week until next week, Ripple keeps going up and up and up. Maybe even get close to its high. Right. 80 cents. And then, you know, you see a drop after after the because there'll probably be some great news and announcements and exciting things coming out of swell. Ripple swell event that. Yeah. See that trend going up. Notice that thing's been going up for about a week heading into the event. You know, so it's like it's silent, no news, and yet the thing keeps going up, and then the news comes out and bang. So don't be surprised if we get a buy the rumor, which you're seeing right now, and sell the news kind of thing at the end of the swell event. Anyway, that's how I'm thinking. That's that's one of the things I'm thinking. But again, none of these price targets are anywhere near my first target anyway. So I, I really don't care from that perspective. What I care about is seeing if Ripple can build and hold a solid base. Can it, you know, so we held like a, a really, you know, for a long time, we were in that 20, 30 cent range. Then we held like 40 to 50 cent range for a bit. Now the question is, can we get into the 60 and 70 cent range and actually, I mean, that chart looks beautiful, but can we continue to hold it at those higher levels? That's what I'm looking for. But man, it, yeah, she definitely looks like she's guaranteed to, to, to run. You know, Johnny, I did see, I did see a tweet yesterday that, or a post on X yesterday that this resistance level that we're at right now is major resistance and it's it's the it's actually the strongest the strongest resistance we have until basically the all-time high for xrp because we've been stuck at these levels for many times across the last few years and so as soon as we can fight and and go above these levels you know it's pretty much thinner air uh, until we get to, to all-time high. So that's exciting. Let's see what happens. Well, Johnny, you always talk about if XRP is going to break out, we need new liquidity. We need it. And this is exactly where it's going to come from, right? We need financial firms around the world. Forget about the USA. If Gary Gensler is going to annex this technology, it's countries like these that are going to surpass the United States. That's why Ripple's setting up a hub in Dubai, and that's why they're holding their annual conference in Dubai. So, Johnny Crypto, let's get some thoughts from Andrew Castle, actually. What, what was your reaction to this news, Andrew? Okay, yeah, you know, uh, uh, 
if you if you hear this guy talking, I, I made a note: global value exchange. It, it's it's utility, and and I agree with you. You know, we still need uh, a liquidity to come in the market. So uh, everybody buy XRP. No, no, it's not a, it's not a recommendation. And uh, and I I can't agree more with you, Johnny. Uh, as soon as that liquidity is not coming in, an event in Dubai like this, it will it will uh, uh, yeah uh, uh, make the price go up and somewhere during the event it will go down so if you are a short-term trader make use of it and if you are a long-term investor it's not even near your first exit point so don't worry don't don't make any uh, 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 any worries this is what it is and uh, just enjoy the ride that's yeah. we talk a lot about positive sentiment coming in from etf products this is a little bit different, Johnny Crypto, as ProShares is going to be announcing the launch of a short Ether-linked ETF. And this is an announcement from this morning. So the purpose of this is to make short exposure easier to retail investors as that process is erroneous and expensive. They're looking to make it easily accessible to short Ethereum. So we talk about the bullish narrative. What do you think about shorting products also coming into the market? It's very normal. It's very common. Every single ETF typically has a pro. And they and it's uh, and not pro, I used the wrong word, I forgot what it called one that goes up and one that goes down, right? Long, long and short. Yep. So, there'll be a lot of different ETFs. You'll always typically have ETFs to play the upside, and it's very common, it's not abnormal to then have an ETF on the short side because you know the big boys want to play both sides of the game. So, yeah, I'm not, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. I, it's normal. You're going to get the same thing with BTC, you're probably going to get a long one first, and then you're going to get a short uh, ETF as well. And then, and I'm sure whatever they do, if they end up doing an XRP one, same thing, you'll have a long and a short. That's just to be expected. And you know what? If you play your game right, and I don't do this, I'm not that kind of trader, but some traders, they'll start to, you know, they'll ride along. The and then if you're really good and you know you kind of get a sense that you're near the top, you could then sell the long and buy the short ETF. And right, you know that 90% down we're talking about? You could theoretically profit on that downside too. Shout you know, out so to Vitalik Buterin. Yeah, there you go. Vitalik did it, remember? He's like, oh, we're so proud of ourselves. We sold the top. And they Johnny, there's one other article I want to run through before the end of the show. So Visa, Visa tests tokenized deposits for Hong Kong CBDC using HSBC. And what's so exciting about this, guys, is we're seeing these technologies emerge all around the world. Dubai, Japan, Hong Kong. Even in the United States, we're becoming more crypto friendly. And Visa highlighted the advantages of the CBDC pilot program that allows the company and the nation more access to payment innovation. And it also said it frees up capital and allows easier money flow. So I'm just summarizing it really briefly because we're short on time. But the long, the 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 gist of the article is this: central bank digital currencies make payments more efficient. And right now, that's happening in the private sector. So they need help developing this technology. The banks can't do it alone. So they're reaching out to people in the private sector and using that technology. With that being said, floor is yours. That's what they're saying. There it is. See, they're saying it right there. <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I have the same sentiment to you. I don't. I'm not excited about this. I don't think this is exciting news. Well, I, that's the wrong word. Like, I yeah, I, I know, I know. Add to the hype, but I think, I think it, it is exciting for this reason. Like, when you look at companies like Visa and Mastercard, they're always I guess the last to move in a sense, like I know banks are typically last to move, but when you look at like Visa and MasterCard and how they're evolving their payment systems, as we speak, these technologies are emerging. Now we're still in the speculation phase three, four years from now, it's going to be implemented. So I'll that's kind of why I think it's exciting. I, I know. Yeah. I know why you were thinking was excited. Cause at the end of the day, the exciting part here, I'll give you the positive side of this. Cause we all know the negative side of the CBDCs. I'm not even going to go there, but the positive side to try and spin it somewhat positive is <clears throat> the one good thing is CBDCs, think of the name, central bank digital currency, digital currency, will be associated to some aspect to cryptocurrency. And so even though they're not and they're different, they'll be associated the same and the halo effect of it may carry over so that in generality, more and more people will start hearing that and they'll think less, oh, crypto's a scam because, oh, it's actually part of a CBDC or it's part of BTC ETF. And you're going to get all these narratives now coming out where, yes, yeah, shorting should be illegal, but it's not. And that's the problem. And so you have to know that. And that's why the game is played the way it is. So make sure you know that. But anyway, 
abs. The important part here is there will be potentially a halo effect that can legitimize the whole crypto industry. And that's, you know, I'm trying to, you know, the, the only silver lining that I can see out of a CBDC is hopefully that halo effect will carry over, drive the altcoins up, and then we can all kind of profit. It's literally the only positive spin I can see on, you know, anybody wanting to be excited about a CBDC, to be honest with you. Andrew Castle, we only have about 60 seconds for this one, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this article I read this morning. The CFTC pays whistleblowers 16 million this year, and it was mostly for crypto tips. Two of the CFTC's crypto tipsters scored $15 million, which brought successful enforcement cases for the regulator. I just thought this was interesting. I didn't really know this goes on. So the CFTC will pay people for inside information. What do you take away from this news? Just with a couple minutes left. Uh, I'm... I have no words for this. You know, this is not my style. I mean, you are not going to, to. I, I don't know the, the 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 English word for that, but this is not what you do just to get the bonus to get somebody else uh, suppressed. I mean, this is so wrong, but I know it happens, and uh, I'm sad about it that it happens. It's like they say, Andrew, snitches get stitches, but. We're keeping it friendly on Good Morning Crypto. And we got 435 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to close this thing out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Johnny. Thank you to Mario. And thank you to Andrew Cashflow himself. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, ah, get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Tomorrow we got.